Hello, everybody. Welcome to Urbonus podcast. I'm Donatas Urbonus and I'm joined by my colleague Ritis Vishnauskas. Ritis, uh, first of all, congratulations for the end of the Olympic basketball tournament. That was a long ride for you too. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know that it's not the end yet for you. And I see from your face that, you know, you would be glad to have that break after the Olympics. But yeah, at least it's going to the end, right? Yes, finally. I mean, I will get some sleep next week. I, I, I will rest. I will prepare for the upcoming season. And, uh, well, it was a great experience for me. But as you can probably hear, hear, hear it in my voice, a lot of fatigue, a lot of lost sleep. And especially today, you know, the final, the gold medal games so early in the morning. It was so hard to get up, but it was worth it. We had some great basketball today, so I'm happy about it. Yeah, we had some great basketball, both in gold medal and bronze medal games. But probably uh, we should start with uh, the recent one, uh, which was also very unusual that we witnessed the gold medal game at first. And just later, we saw the bronze medal game. Uh, huge congratulations for Australian basketball community. Again, the, it was a fully deserved victory. The first ever uh medal on the international stage and of course patty mills for the two point historical performance you know which led australia to a very very important win uh uh for their country what are your first, first thoughts about australia because i know and you also told it publicly that it was probably your most favorite team before the tournament yes it was and and actually i was predicting the American final versus uh, France and I was predicting that Australians will take the bronze medal finally. Uh, well, first of all, because of their experience, secondly, because of their mentality and Slovenians maybe were still crushed after Nikola Batum's block on Clement Prepolic and they were not really focused on the game. All those unnecessary discussions with the referees. Luka Doncic was not leading by example today. He was not a good leader today, it has to be said. And not only because of those turnovers, he was tired. I can understand that. But his body language, his constant blabbering to the referees and, and always complaining all, all around, it, it was not good for the team, actually. And I, I, I was kind of disappointed with Luka in this game. But uh, looking at this Australian team, well, my first thought was when I saw Paddy Mills in, in the very first possessions and I saw all these other guys that probably they had a speech from Paddy, he's a captain, from Joe Ingles, maybe he's a veteran, maybe even Aaron Baines, who is injured. And I believe they said to each other, there's no, no chance, there's 0% chance that we lose this game. This is our game, this is our medal, and, and we are going to take it. Because they were so focused, so concentrated, there was nothing that could really break them down. Luca was trying to trash talk uh, with Dante Exum. There were a lot of things, and they just did not care. They, they played their basketball their, the Australian way. We saw the beauty of the Australian basketball cu culture in this game, in this tournament. We saw the phenomena of Olympic Patty Mills and other guys with this great chemistry. And I was 
really impressed with Matisse Thybul, I have to say. I mean, he is a super athletic player. He's very smart. Uh, his defensive abilities are really amazing. And, and his athleticism is off the charts. The high-flying performance today, those dunks on fast breaks, putbacks, wow. I mean, also, of course, defense. What he did and what team as a whole did, it, it was really really worthy of respect so uh, i'm kind of happy for for australians they won the, the medal they deserved in the past they deserve to win it actually in rio olympics it has to be said maybe they even deserve in 2019 world cup so it's good that they finally have it it's uh, patty mills is one of my favorite international players as you know i'm a big fan of, of the san antonio spurs and and coach popovich so patty was an integral part of this team for nine years and yeah, I'm just kind of happy for them and a little bit disappointed with the Slovenians because in this game, they seemed like bad losers, really. And it all started from Luka Doncic. Yeah, I, I was expected much better performance from Slovenia because when it takes uh, motivation, uh, I thought that it's, it's going to be very, let's say, highly motivated game because, uh, as you mentioned, it was the chance for Australia to, find the, uh, to win their first uh, medal ever. And also, it was a chance for Slovenia, which actually played in their first Olympics ever, also, you know, you know to win that medal. And when you have uh, such a leader like uh, Luka Doncic, everything was really possible. Uh, the way they played, it was really possible to get that bronze medal. But And I love Slovenia. I enjoyed their game during the tournament. But as soon as they started refereeing, not playing, I couldn't watch them, really. Uh, I've got tired of Slovenians complaining about refs. Uh, and, uh, you know, you mentioned, and I agree with you, probably they were tired too, but this is not the way, not the face you should show on the Olympic uh, stage. And especially by uh, Luka Doncic, I remember there were two huge examples uh, how, you know, this uh, rage against referees uh uh, turned out to be a very bad idea for Slovenia. First of all, uh, before just before the halftime, uh, when Luka Doncic tried, you know, to to get that uh, foul, and when he was, let's say, trying to do something like a three pointer, and he wanted a foul, and then he after the refs didn't call, didn't make the call. Australians started the, their transition uh, game. There were like five seconds left and Luca just stopped playing and he started uh, discussing it with referees and Matisse Taibol just made one of his incredible dunks in that game. And also what surpri surprised me a lot, how Jakob Lajic lost his control in the second game in a row and the first one was in semifinals with five minutes left uh, when he was yelling at referees and he got technical and then once again uh, when Jakob Lajic got an unsportsmanlike foul when he pushed Patty Mills again with five minutes left and what was bad that you know Slovenia it seemed like they were getting back into the game but that uh, unsportsmanlike foul changed the momentum again and Australians built their lead so I mean, that was very, very bad example how you should play uh, games of that kind of uh, importance. Doncic was just, you know, distorted with rage and he needs to mature uh, because he's just wasting too much energy. Uh, but, you know, that's also understandable. Uh, he played 73 NBA games in the last six months. He averaged, you know, 
more more than 35 minutes. Uh, he averaged 40 minutes in the postseason. Uh, he also, I think that he was the um, he played the, the most minutes in the Olympic tournament among the teams uh, which made the knockout stage. And you know, it's there's a huge difference between regular 35 minutes and you know between Doncic minutes because you know he's always trying to attack the basket he's always getting that uh, defensive pressure and it's it's really hard you know for him to stay fresh uh, during uh, his time on the court so i can get it i can get it also that he's only 22 and he will get uh, over it but in my eyes it was a huge huge uh, lesson for luka doncic because uh, you know with this fib- we can say that, you know, Luca is still very young. Mike Toby is also pretty young. Uh, Latko Chanchar also, he's just getting matured. But the thing is that with this FIBA calendar, you never know when you're going to, when, you, when you're making the, you know, highest uh, stage tournaments uh, in FIBA tournaments. I mean, World Cup, they missed the World Cup as European champions. They made the Olympics just through the qualification stage. So you cannot take these tournaments for granted and you know it might be a huge lesson for Doncic and Slovenian national team yeah in this case the Australians are in a much better situation because for them to qualify for the Olympics it's almost automatic they just have to be in the World Cup and and be better than New Zealand and New Zealand at the moment is not really good so it's easier for them of course for Slovenia to qualify is is difficult as you said with the FIBA system Luca cannot help the team in these uh, qualifying uh, windows, but um, still staying in this game. Uh, you mentioned Jakob Blažić, and it's actually funny. He got Slovenia back into the game with a couple of plays. He was good on defense on these two occasions when De Levedova got the offensive foul against him, when Paddy Mills uh, took the unsportsmanlike foul, then Blažić scored a layup. Prepelic added a layup, and I believe they cut the deficit to three. And at this point, it seemed like Jakob Lajic actually provided the spark for Slovenia to once again play their basketball and actually get that bronze medal. But then, as you said, he pushed Paddy Mills. It was stupid what he did, really. It was unnecessary. And, of course, the referee was standing so close to him, he saw everything per- perfectly clear and, and he gave an unsportsmanlike foul. And, and yeah, so Patty Mills got two extra free throws. And um, still talking about Luca, well, he w- we must admit that besides his emotions and everything, he was worn out. He was so tired. His arm was injured. He was playing with an ir- injured arm and these things also do damage even though you're a genius you're so talented but you are still dependent on your body on your physical abilities and he did not have much left in him for this game and we also saw in the semi-final even though he got that triple double but there were so many problems for him against the defense of Nicolas Batum and, and and the French team so I think in this bronze medal game, we saw another thing which we were saying in, in previous podcasts that Slovenia plays beautiful basketball, but they are not a defensive team. They're not very tough on defense. They're not as physical as Australians. And Australia had the better defense. And they had, like, I don't know, more muscle and at the same time, more brain, more experience, of course. I really like. I really like Joe Ingles, how he played in the second half. Let's say in the first half, the shots were not falling for him. 
we know he can be a good shooter. He's actually rated in the NBA as an elite spot-up shooter. His percentages, his numbers are not so good in the FIBA tournaments, but however, he hit like four three-pointers in the second half, and these were very important shots when Slovenians were trying to make their comebacks. And guys like Nick Kay, like Jock Landale, they'll, they also did their part. Dante Exum, everyone who stepped up to this game, they did something for the team. I would say that let Matty De Vedoma, maybe he had a weak tournament. It was not the best of what we saw in the past from Matthew, but still Australians, they lose as a team and they win as a team. It was really beautiful to see Patty Mills with tears in his eyes. From all these guys, he deserves the medal so much. We remember him being a young player coming from, from NCAA to the Beijing Olympics. We didn't know much about Patty at that point. And in Beijing, he was great. That was the first we saw of Patty Mills, what he can do on the court. And then he got his move to Portland. Maybe it didn't work out so well with the Trailblazers, but in San Antonio, he found his place, he found his home. He was amazing in London Olympics. In Rio, he was a beast, but they were unlucky not to win bronze, and now they got what they deserved in Tokyo. So, once again, congratulations to, to Australia. And for Slovenia, as you said, it will be difficult to qualify in the future, but when Luka Doncic is 22 years old, you can look ahead and think that maybe if there will be some more players coming in in the following years, they can still have a quality team. And Doncic learning his lessons from this tournament in the future might be even better, more mature, as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, you made a great comparison between the leaderships when it takes Patty Mills. He always seemed to be so focused so calm, so disciplined, so determined. And it seems like it transmitted uh, to the rest of the guys. And uh, when we were watching the game, it seemed like the Slovenians, not just seemed like, it was like that. Slovenians were outworked, outrunned, outrebounded, outhustled, everything, just out everything. And it was also a big part of Slovenians uh, being uh, worn off, worn out. But at the same time, as, as we said that Slovenians led Luka's leadership in terms of uh, his game style, in terms of him being so easygoing and involving everybody into the game. But at the same time, it, it seemed like that Luka's energy, he was really tired. And it seemed like that energy also transmitted to his team, but in a bad way, because we saw more examples, you know, more bad examples on Slovenian team, uh, differently from from Austra Australia, where that that what the experience means, that what true leadership means, and that what's uh, that's what probably Luca has to learn from from a great guy like Patty Mills because he's a great leader not on only on the court but off the court uh, too. He's a great personality. Um, he he does a great job with his community also both in San Antonio. Uh, both in Australia, so he's he he may. I mean, I, I'm so happy about him winning this medal because, as I mentioned, when he started it all in in Beijing in 2008, and it actually took him 13 years. That's a you know hell of uh, of you know of time. Uh, hell to of get, a journey. Yeah, hell of a journey actually. So it's well deserved, and I hope that Slovenian will also have their time in the future. 
I'm actually super excited to see Patty Mills playing with, with Kevin Durant uh, in Brooklyn because both of, both are like top five of my favorite players right now. And uh, another thing, like maybe wrapping up this bronze medal game, I can only imagine Andrew Bogut watching this game. And I believe he was feeling like he is with these guys. He was also there in all these painful losses they took in the past. And we know he was really heart and soul of this team, how important he was for, for the squad. And Aaron Baines was injured. Andrew Bogut retired because two years ago, there were some questions. Maybe he will still play in his last Olympics. He didn't. But, you know, it's probably not possible to do that. But I believe if it was possible, they should like send through DHL the bronze medal also to Andrew Bogut. Because he is the face of this team, I would say. Paddy Mills, we're talking about him. He was the flag bearer for, for Australia in these Olympics. It's an amazing, uh, amazing recognition for him. But Andrew Bogut, for me, he was still part of this team, even though he was not playing and even though he was not there physically. I don't know. Maybe you read Twitter. Maybe Andrew already reacted and, and, and said something. We know he's a very <laughs> emotional guy. He congratulated his guys. Uh, what, what was interesting that he was actually one of the commentators of uh, Australian games. But what was really weird uh, that before the game, he announced that he won't be commentating the bronze medal game because there was something like a contract of, uh, I, I, I don't want to be wrong, but something like for five games, how many games they played in this tournament? Uh in the group stages, quarterfinal, semifinal. So five games and this was their sixth. Yeah, so it was something like a contract for five games. I don't know. I have no clue how the hell it happened. But he was not commentating this game because it was already out of the contract. So wow. <laughs> it, it, it was a big shame, you know, for that uh, TV uh, channel who, who didn't make, you know, things uh, uh, to work out in this situation. But uh, when you mentioned the... Uh, uh, Bogut, I think that he's kind of, you know, a godfather of this team. He was a big part of uh, of this culture. I think that he was a big part uh, of this uh, culture because he was building this culture. And when we talk, uh, Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Andrew Bogut, uh, I mean, there's no surprise uh, why guys like Matisse Taibul or the same like Dante Exum, Jack Landil from 2019 how well and how fast they adjust to the national team because it's also a big part of their culture. I remember I had an interview with Landale in 2019 when he just signed the contract with Jargiris and he told that from the day one he felt as he was playing with all these guys for 10 years because that's the way how they introduce you to their system, uh, to their locker, uh, locker room. Uh, the, the great example was uh, Ben Simmons, again, skipping the summer with the national team. There was a lot of emotions in Australia. There, were, there, was, there was a lot of criticism towards uh, Ben Simmons. But Patty Mills stood up and told that uh, they, they weren't going to judge him. Uh, they are waiting uh, him uh, in the future. And it's not part of their culture, you know, to blame somebody. So it's, it's just amazing. I mean, Australian basketball, uh, Australian national team and yeah. boomers specifically has an amazing culture uh, to follow. And it's very unique in this basketball world. Well, we talked about Ben Simmons in our previous podcast, but I would like to still talk a little bit more about the other guy from Philadelphia 76ers and it's Matisse Teibel. Uh, we, we 
kind of remember those dunks from today. But in general, can you imagine how high is the ceiling for Matisse Teibel if he improves his jump shot? And I believe he will improve his jump shot because it doesn't look bad. His jump shot is normal. He's just not hitting very good percentages so far. Because with this potential, with his athleticism, with his defensive abilities, all he needs is a jump shot and maybe needs to be better as a ball handler a little bit. So he can be the future star for this Australian team when, let's say, Paddy Mills and Joe Ingles decides that it's, it's enough for them. Because in this tournament, this was the first tournament for Matisse Teibel, he showed a lot of good things. And in this bronze medal game, he was so tough. Once again, it seemed like he was playing for the Australian team like five or six years, even though it was his his debut. I fell in love with him uh, before the tournament. I watched some exhibition games and I saw what kind of game changer Matisse Taibel is for Australia. Uh, as, I've, as I have told, uh, he, let's say, takes his team to a different dim- dimension. The dimension uh, where Australians, uh, they never played like that. I mean, they had such a huge impact on perimeter defense, on defense and overall in athleticism, in length, on the court. Him and, of course, Dante Exum, uh, he's following him also very nicely. And there are some other players to come uh, for Australian national team in the future. It just gives, you know, so much quality on the defensive end for the team. And as you said, you know, if he improves his uh, jump shot, uh, and so, you know, it's going to be just, you know, he's going to be a spectacular uh, player. Yeah, and I still have one last thought about Slovenia. Um, when Luka Doncic is at his best, Clement Prepolic looks like an elite shooting guard that should get an NBA contract. Mike Toby looks like an elite center that also should get an NBA contract. Vlatko Chanchar looks like a player who should get 15 or 20 minutes on, on Denver Nuggets. Other guys look like solid EuroLeague role players. But when Luka Doncic is not at his best, these guys that I mentioned look like the level they actually are. Some Euro Cup players, some FIBA Champions League players, Prepelic, a decent shooting guard from EuroLeague. Mike Toby, good but kind of limited center. Also from a mediocre EuroLeague team. This is their actual level. But when Luka Doncic is playing his best basketball, these other guys start to look better than they are. And, you know, we had many examples in the past when players after a very good tournament with a national team get a big contract. So Luka Doncic can actually make some contracts for his teammates in the future if he continues to play for the national team, if they qualify for major tournaments. He should get 10% of of their deals, at least 10%. (laughs) I remember Agent, Agent Luca. Yeah, Agent Luca. I remember that I think that Clement Prepelic signed a deal with Real Madrid after the Eurobasket 2017, yes, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. I wouldn't be surprised. A, uh-huh. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Because 2017 it was also in, an interesting story, and I think we kind of forget it sometimes that Luka Doncic got injured in the final. He could not help his team. He was crying, he was hiding his face with a towel. And it was Goran Dragic that led the led them to victory, and they became the European champions. So Dragic you know, actually also got injured in the end of the game. So it was amazing final. So so Lucas' medal games 
right now are like this a Eurobasket final, which he basically missed because of injury, and a bronze medal game in the Olympics where he was just too tired and too nervous and he couldn't handle his emotions. So we know that he won 17 games in a row with the Slovenia national team, but actually, we still haven't seen him carrying his team in a game that is the most important that is for gold or for bronze just for a medal or for a trophy so there's still some room for him to prove how good he is in the in the future one last thing about uh, Doncic as you mentioned his injury he he got injured in the uh, semifinal game and do you think that uh, his hand injury had any impact on his last possession against uh, France because the, you know no. there's a huge discussion uh, if no. either he had to take that shot or the pass was good and stuff like that. No, no, no. He he, he made the right decision. If you see it again, if you watch the replays, Rudy Gobert was guarding him, and Nicolas Batum was going to help Rudy. So basically, Luka Doncic was forced to make a pass to his uh, open teammate, which was Clement Prevelich at this time. So it's just all credit to Nicola, Nicola Batum because he managed to recover and block Clement Prevelich. I think Luka made a logical basketball decision. The only other option would have been to shoot over the hands of Rudy Gobert and Nicola Batum. So it would have been a very difficult shot in a game where his step back jump shots were not working. He was five from 18 in this game. So I don't think it was because of injury. I think it was because he is a smart player and he doesn't need to be the hero who makes the last shot. I know it's like an American narrative that the best player on the court always has to make the shot, the final shot. It doesn't matter the circumstances, but if we actually look at some examples, LeBron James would definitely trust his teammate if he's open. Michael Jordan gave it to John Paxson or Steve Kerr because that was the right play. And Luka Doncic made the right play. And what happened then, all credit goes to Nikola Batum, in my opinion. In my eyes, it was a perfect decision because when you think uh, that if, for example, Prepelic was just a little bit ba uh, faster basketball player, just a little bit more uh, athletic basketball player, he would make that layup. There was no or chance. Or at least draw a foul, at, at, at the very least. But once again, Batum, he's the captain of the French team. He's heart and soul of this French team. So, My only question was if they made the right choice uh, trying to set that, I think it was a Spanish pick and roll set. Because the reason why Batum was so close and came uh, with the help for Rudy was because Prepelic uh, was still continuing that Spanish pick and roll set. He was doing a back screen, and it it seemed like it you know it didn't turn out how they wanted it. And uh, Prepelic was also not very determined with his screen. He just did it just to do it, but. I think that it was not the best set in the end of the game because, again, it led to the situation where, where there was too much traffic in Doncic's way, you know, to the basket. But in that situation, in my eyes, Luca did the right choice. Well, I don't want to overanalyze it, but they did not uh, 
have this possession after a timeout. Maybe if they uh, if they had a timeout and then the possession with 19 or 20 seconds left, they would have, I don't know, played something different. Right now, they, they stopped uh, the French possession and they got the ball and they played searching for the best opportunity. And like I said, I just don't want to overanalyze it. It is a legendary block that will go down in history and that's all I care for. Let's go to the gold medal game. And yeah. I have to say that since it started very early and I think that they had something like seven or eight hour uh, gap, you know, between the final game uh, and the um, uh, medal ceremony. So yeah. the first thing which I thought about was like, if we were in 1992 and if Lithuania was winning the gold, Arvidas Sabonis and ever, uh, all the other guys wouldn't show up for the medal ceremony. Oh, well, he didn't make it for bronze. So. Yeah, <laughs> the, so exactly. What, you can imagine if, if they won gold and had eight hours to celebrate in advance. So I was surprised yeah, it, that it, I saw it, all 12 guys on the podium. <laughs> it seemed like this game actually was yesterday or even two days ago. But, you know, it's still kind of fresh. It's still from this morning, so we can probably remember those key moments. It, it was the closest final game for Team USA, actually. Uh, in 2012 or 2008, it was a good final against Spain. Uh, Team USA won by seven and now five points. It was the closest final they, ha they had. So do you think, you know, it was as close as uh, we saw on the scoreboard? Or, you know, for me, for example, I was watching the game and all the time, despite the, you know, uh, only single digit margin, I was feeling like, you know, it was always Team USA uh, game all 40 minutes. Yeah, I was feeling that as well. But, you know... <sighs> I, I have to say, France played even better than in that first group stage match, which they won. Just that the Americans are a lot better now than they were a couple of weeks ago. And Vincent Collet in this game, as a coach, he probably never gets this recognition. It's always Tony Parker or, or Boris Dia or Nicolas Batum. It's always the players, the talent that's winning medals for them. But you know, his in-game decision-making, I was really impressed. He, every time Team USA made a run, Vincent Collet would take a timeout and they would come back with something new. Uh, it was not working for them, searching for penetration with the Colo and Fournier. So in the second quarter, when, when they got, had like 12-point deficit, they started just feeding Rudy Gobert and that kind of got them back in the game. Uh, that kind of almost evened the scoreboard in the second half. Once again, Team USA makes the run. They are up by 14. It seems like it's almost over. Then they go back with a very big lineup with Mustafa Fall and Rudy Gobert playing together. And also, no Decolo, no Fournier, no Ertel. He's just going with these very athletic, physical guys, Lubavu Kabarov, Frank Nilikina, and Nikola Batum. So it's Probably. a... It's, it's a very strong lineup. In terms it's of like a random, random lineup on a video it's, game, but it worked yeah, out so well. Yeah, but once again, gets them back into the game. And Coach Popovich, I believe, every time when he sees something like this, he, he should be surprised because I don't think that American coaches expect things like that to happen in a game because usually American coaches are more those like, 
those type of coaches that prepare a game plan and there's not much in-game decisions made trying to change something. So Vincent Collet deserves huge respect for this whole tournament and for, for the final as well. And of course, the players, their character, they were never, they never gave up. It's very easy to give up when you're down by 14 playing against Team USA and start thinking like, well, you know, we got silver medals. So it's already great Olympics for us. And okay, we're losing to a better team. We're losing to Kevin Durant. So we're just going to shake hands with them and, and be happy with our silver medals. No, they play till the very end. And well, in the end, the Americans actually were playing with fire because <laughs> they had the gold medals in the bag. Drew Holiday misses a free throw. Damian Lillard misses a couple of free throws. Frank Nilikina makes a dunk. It's a five-point game. Then the out-of-bounds pass, he, I think it was Drew Holiday. He throws it to Nicola Batum. Decolo hits a couple of freebies. So it's 10 seconds left, and it's a three-point game. You take a timeout, and then, I don't know, maybe the players themselves were not nervous, but I think those watching the game and supporting Team USA were kind of nervous, thinking whether they will make a good out-of-bounds pass this time. Will they find Kevin Durant or somebody else? Will Damian Lillard, if he gets the ball, hit these clutch free throws because he missed two previously? But it finished happily ever after for them, right? So they won it with a five-point margin. Yes, uh, I think, as you said, that it was not really a five-point game in terms of quality. The Americans were really better once again. They were not shooting great. They were creating those opportunities, but not making some of these shots, especially in the beginning. But yeah, it was it, it was a well-deserved victory for them and, and a gold medal, which should be really special for Kevin Durant because when he won in London or, or in Rio, they had a, a dream team almost, a very good roster, and they won the finals easily. Now they really had to fight for it. Kevin Durant had to carry this team in some moments in the quarterfinal, in the semifinal, in final as well. And in his three Olympic finals, his points average is, I believe, 29.7. So his Olympic career is just as good as Carmelo Anthony's. And you can say that Kevin Durant is really one of the American Olympic legends like Michael Phelps and all these other legendary athletes. Yeah, he's a real Captain America. And I think yeah. that he made the case probably for the best Olympic basketball tournament player ever. Because as you mentioned, he tied Carmelo with three gold medals. Uh, he won all four competitions where he played, including 2010 World Cup, where he was a... Carmelo has bronze. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's the case for Carmelo being the GOAT of the Olympics. But yeah. I hope that uh, KD will play in, in Paris uh, three years later. He, he will be 35, but I believe that he, he, he will have that, you know, kind of uh, ambition to surpass uh, Melo. But yeah, as you said, you know, in all of all of these four finals, he averaged 29.3 points, both in the Olympics and FIBA World Cup. And as uh, Peter Hurtado, Spanish basketball coach, uh, tweeted, uh, it, it was again a great tweet. He said that, uh, again, the Olympic committee forgot to give KD alien tests. So... I, I completely agree because he was playing uh, as uh, alien and he just made a great case for being the GOAT of, of the Olympics. I mean, in Tokyo, he averaged 20.2 points in, on 53% of shooting. Uh, in Rio, 19.4 on 
58% and in London 19.5 on 49. And as we said, you know, he always show up when it really mattered. He showed up in all these games where it was tough for this team, especially in this tournament, where they were behind in double digits, by double digits against Czech Republic, against Spain, against uh, Australia. And all the time, you know, KD time started and he changed the game uh, for so many times in this tournament. So it were not just, you know, fake stats. He was a real difference maker. And I kind of agree uh, that argument that if not KD, I'm not sure if Team USA was winning the gold. And uh, okay, Draymond Green is doing his job right now. Um, He told that he's going to... Uh, tweet something about uh, everybody who doubted them, and I'm kind media. of <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of afraid of you know what's going, uh, what's coming next. Uh, well, when Raymond weeks. has a few drinks uh, today, he should probably just stay off uh, off the internet because he's probably going to tweet something he, he will regret. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that Raymond has any regrets. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm joking, man. He's, he, I mean, he he's just a mentality monster. As good as he is physically, mentally you cannot break Raymond Green he always has the last word and he will always have the last laugh that's just how he is and, 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 you, uh, can, and you cannot yeah. break uh, KD also because again he always shows up to, uh, for the clutch the moment and if not him who knows I mean all these games were pretty close let's say I mean Team USA was always in some trouble and if not KD I'm not sure if they would have survived yeah, well, probably without KD, they could look something like their team from 2019 China World Cup. And with KD, they go to different level, and it's a fact. And, you know, uh, Kevin Durant is kind of misunderstood as a human being, not as a basketball player. We know all these things from the past, like his burner account, when he would respond to his haters on Twitter from a fake account. and. Uh, when he moved to Golden State, obviously people were angry at him for going to get some easy championships. Now he's trying to prove himself to create his stronger legacy in Brooklyn. And what he did this summer with Team USA maybe turns back some of his haters to believers or supporters. Let's not forget that he made a comeback from an Achilles injury. Oh yeah. When you see him move on that court, you you couldn't say he had a, an Achilles injury two years ago in NBA Finals. For some players, an Achilles injury is not necessarily career ending, but career changing. It didn't change anything in Kevin Durant's game. He's just as good as he was ever. And he decided to dedicate a summer for, for the Olympic team, even though he was fighting in the playoffs without Kyrie Irving and without James Harding, playing 48 minutes against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. He was so close to making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And maybe it would have been a different story because if he wouldn't have stepped on the line with that shot against Milwaukee, maybe they, they would have went all the way instead of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Maybe Kevin Durant would join the team two days before the first game in the Olympics. So, you know, it was like inches, fine margins. But yeah, history is written. 
Holiday and Middleton, they became NBA champions and Olympic champions in less than a month's time, which is very impressive, which is a lot for these guys to celebrate. And just, you know, there were so many doubters talking about this American team, saying that Australia can beat them, saying that France can beat them. They faced all these best teams that can actually fight with them. They faced Spain with their veterans that played in London and Beijing finals. They faced Australia, which was kind of the number one team to, to beat USA with their physicality and ambitions. And they faced France, which has Rudy Gobert, which has size, which has, once again, everything to try and match the Americans. So this was not an easy path to get these gold medals. They had to go all through all these elite national teams, and they did it. So just congratulations. I was always saying from the very beginning, from the first game they lost, it's going to be okay. This team is going to be okay. They have Kevin Durant. They are playing team basketball. They trust each other. They share the ball. And it is okay for them. They are celebrating today. Yeah, I mean, that's what real champions do. They prove people wrong. Uh, they face uh, doubters. But yeah, it's it was fully deserved win. As you mentioned, there nothing was easy. Uh, quoting famous uh, Zaza Pachulia, nothing was easy. And uh, as you mentioned, they beat all the best teams, except from uh, Slovenia. I, as a fan, I would love to see Slovenia game in quarterfinals against Team USA, uh, you know, before they were, you know, worn off. You know, because I'm sorry, man, but but if Slovenians <laughs> cannot do anything to Patty Mills, what would they do to Kevin Durant? Like Vlatko Chanchar would take care. We of We are business? talking about tired Slovenians, you know. Yeah, but man, they, they don't play any defense at all. Like teams like Australia and France, there is a reason why we say that they can match the physicality and athleticism of the Americans. Slovenians just play beautiful basketball, but against Team USA, I believe it would be the scoreline of 122, 105. Which is fun. I mean, I'm not yeah, saying fun. that Slovenians it's were fun. about to, to beat USA. Slovenians yeah. wouldn't do any better against America than, than France did. That's my opinion. Yeah, hats off. Hats off to the USA. Uh, sorry, Melo, but uh, KD is the GOAT. Unless uh, we need to make a video review, right? Like Nando Dicolo will will love to have one. I mean, he, he was the ambassador of video reviews. Nando is a super intelligent basketball player, and I love him so much. I it, his career is amazing, but it's funny when these great players, well, they don't need to know the regulations of the video assistance system, right? But when they ask to review an out of bounds play with three minutes played in the fir first quarter, <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> because, I mean, we as, as, as commentators or journalists know very well, and the viewers, I believe, they also know that the referees can only check it with less than two minutes left, and that's it. <laughs> the call is always going with this, like, like he's a football player asking for a penalty. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I agree. Uh, and let's have a, a very early look uh, at the future, uh, specifically Paris 2024. Probably it's very tough to talk uh, about what Team USA will have uh, on the, on, for these Olympic Games. We can only yeah. mention, you know, the most important thing is if KD is playing or not. So as we mentioned, KD uh, will turn 35 
uh, at the time of uh, the next uh, Olympic Games. And then for sure, we, we can be clear that they yeah. will, you know, build a great, nice roster and they will be titled again, their uh, contenders yeah. again. Well, you know, it's very difficult to predict the American roster, yeah. as you said, next year or, or 2023, we will not know anything also. It will be clear only when the summer comes. But I believe that for Kevin Durant, I don't know if he, he will be so motivated about his fourth gold medal in the Olympics. It depends on what he does in the following years with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but there are these young superstars growing up. Zion Williamson probably should. Uh, Jason should get, Tatum was great in this tournament. Yeah, and in the final, he was amazing in the semis as well. So players like Devin Booker, it can be their team. They got this experience this summer. They are Olympic champions already. It, it, it should be easier for them if they go for the second time. But, you know, there are these young faces, like like I said, Zion Williamson, other players coming through through the drafts every year. And they should be a different team. I don't know if Kevin Durant at, at the age of 35 will be there still. It depends on him only. If he wants, of course, he will be there. It doesn't matter who will coach them. It should not be Greg Popovich in 2024. Yeah. So yeah, and but it it it's it's difficult to talk about the American roster because they will have plenty to choose from. That is their advantage in comparison to other teams. If let's say two best players say no to the France national team, the quality drops. The same is for Spain, for for Australia, or for any other team. But if with with Americans, you know if. Bradley Beal doesn't play, well, they change him with someone else. If if some other superstars decide not to play, they will find other guys. They have a lot to choose from. The the, the talent pool is, is very deep. Yeah, so that's why it's more interesting to check what our teams will have. Yeah. And yeah. we can talk about France, which actually has a nice future. Most importantly, uh, this core, I mean, this French team is building on a very strong foundation, which starts from 2019. Many of, of, of these players uh, from bronze medal uh, team in, in China were on this Olympic uh, squad. And again, they improved uh, uh, for a silver medal. And probably it's fair to say that it, this is the best team in Europe uh, at the moment. They have a complete roster full of uh, great guards, creators, scorers, very good free and D players. Uh, wings. Wings, I mean, bigs. I mean, they have everything on their roster. And it's very interesting uh, to see what other talents will join them. Because, for example, Rudy Gobert is still going to be 32. Uh, Evan Fournier, 31. Uh, you have Gershon Yebuseli, who is improving, and he's going to be only 28. Uh, Luvavo Kabarot, uh, Kabarot, who had a great tournament, will be 29. And then we probably can check the pool of young uh, guns like Vembanyana, uh, gonna be 20. And it's gonna be very interesting to see, you know, what kind of talent he will be in three years. Uh, Theo Maladon, 23. Killian Hayes, 23. It's uh, Seku Dumbuya, 23. Also, it's very early to say yeah. if they're gonna turn into great players. But there's, as I said, there's a very interesting. Uh, young players coming up for the team friends well, well they always have talent and you know they are developing in in the french league they go to the nba usually every single draft every single year has at least one french player 
And I mean, a player like Matthew Strazel, let's say, it wouldn't surprise me if in the following two years he would become a solid Euroleague player. He has everything. He's very talented. So uh, another thing which is very important, I believe, the Olympics will be in Paris. Oh, yeah. So they definitely will have their best roster. And guys like Nicolas Batum and Decolo, I think they, sh- they would go for their last dance if they are healthy. Batum, Batum will be 35. And Decolo will be 36, 36, 37. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that Decolo should be the key player when he's 36 or 37, but he can help the team in many ways. And, you know, we have good examples of, of Manu Ginobili and some other players. Age is not a problem as long as you're healthy. With this talent and basketball IQ, you can still help the team. So I believe they will have the motivation. The Olympics are in Paris. This is your only chance in your career to play an Olympic tournament at home. It's a big thing. It's a huge deal, I think. And these young guys, yeah, they will join. And, and you know, Rudy Gobert will still be at his peak. Yabusele, Luvavuka, Boro as well. And they will be just as strong or maybe even stronger than they are now. A lot depends, of course, on Mbanyama. He's a very exciting prospect, but you never know with these type of players whether he'll be already superstar level in three years or or in three years we will be still talking that he still needs to learn and still needs to grow as as a player. So we'll see. But definitely France will be in the elite for a long, long time. You know, let's say the next Eurobasket, I think some of the superstars players will probably skip it. We will not see the best rosters in this uh, next Eurobasket for obvious reasons, because in international basketball, Olympics is your main focus. So with the qualifying system right now, you should focus on the World Cup and then the Olympics and the Eurobasket kind of becomes less important. Yeah, so that's what I think about their future. It's it's good for them. for They're covered for, 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 for long years in advance. Yeah, and it's it, probably the next Eurobasket going to be, uh, um, you know, a great chance to try all these young guns, you know, resting yeah, yeah. Uh, the core players, the more experienced players. So, yeah, it's going to be a nice show up for all these young guys. You know, another thing, uh, very quickly, I respect the France Basketball Federation for trusting Vincent Collet, actually. It would have been very easy to fire him after what happened in 2017 Eurobasket. They lost to Germany. I was surprised that he 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 remained as the head coach. Actually, I thought that he yeah, lose. But he trusted him, and he has the trust of these key players in the team. Good chemistry, and especially in this tournament, Vincent Collet really showed that tactically he's as good as anybody else in international basketball. I agree, and when it takes Australia, that's the team which concerns me a bit because with all the love to Patty, he will be thirty-five. Joe Ingles will be 36. Delavedovo, if he won't, you know, change the direction of his career, he's going to be 33, and I'm not sure if he's going to make the team with the game he, he shows at the moment. Baines will be, will be 37. And uh, it's, I mean, all these players, uh, especially Patty and Ingles, were so important for this team in terms of giving their team creativity playmaking, experience, and high IQ. I love all these young players coming up, like Taibul, he's going to be 27. 
uh, Exxon 29, Jock Landil 28, Josh Green 23, Josh Giddy 21. Who knows what will happen with Ben Simmons? He's gonna be 28. I love what all these guys can offer, but if you exclude Patty and Ingles, I, I kind of start missing, you know, that basketball IQ, which was always, uh, let's say, um, the flag of this national team. You know, it was the identity of this team. They're gonna be more. Uh, athletical, more physical, uh, faster probably, more mobile. But if they will be as as you know clever, as uh, if they're gonna share the same kind of chemistry on the court, that's that's a big question for me. Well, but you know, it's it's kind of hard to predict when we don't have a very good knowledge of of the Australian league and what talents are playing in there and what young players could come from the Australian clubs in, in, in the following couple of years because Australian league always produces tough players who are prepared for the highest level and it wouldn't surprise me if, if some new guys, some new faces uh, we will discover them in, in the next few years in the NBA or maybe in Europe, I don't know and Patty Mills the Olympic Patty Mills is just so amazing. Why not trying it again? Why not? 35 years. It's, it's not, a, not like at the age of 35, you cannot play anymore. Yeah. The Patty, core, you know, had a great tournament at 34. So Patty takes care of himself. Patty looks like a very professional guy who, who really cares about his body. So. In three years, I think he could still give a lot to this team, if he wants, of course. Joe Ingles is a different story, I would say. Joe Ingles, even in this tournament, it seemed like he's declining a little bit. In the past, he was really good playing the pick and rolls with Andrew Bogut and Aaron Baines. And then when there's no Bogut and no Baines, Joe Ingles looks good, but not as, as good as he can be with, with, with a very strong big, like he has Rudy Gobert, let's say, in Utah, in Utah Jazz, and he plays pick and rolls with Rudy. Um, so I don't know about Joe Ingles, but I do believe that Patty Mills could be just as good in, in the next Olympics. And watching him and his energy and everything, maybe 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Who knows? Scholar, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so it's it's really difficult to say about Australia. Well, you know, they will qualify for the Olympics. That's for sure because it's not not that hard for them. Uh, but I'm just expecting that the Australian league will provide some good quality players because right now these guys that do not play in Europe or in the NBA, like Nick Kay or Chris Golding, they are tough. They are prepared. They are skilled. They are good they players. Are good players, yeah. I could imagine them on good European teams but Australian basketball players they love their culture they love to play at home usually even those great players like Andrew Boga they finish their careers at home in Australia and you touch the topic of Ben Simmons who knows maybe in three years something happens something clicks and he becomes more mature he I don't know, kind of decides on his NBA career. He might he might land on a different team. And he says to himself, like, now it's time for me to do another thing. Finally play for Australia and play it the right way. It could happen. Why not? 
because right now Ben Simmons, what we see from him, he doesn't look like a player who would fit in this Australian team. But in 2024, maybe he will be better. Okay, I hope so. I hope so. But tell me if you're as optimistic uh, about Team Spain, which has Gazal brothers retiring, Chacha, Rudy. I don't see them in three years in Paris. Also, Sergio Lul probably is is going to be retired by that time. And they have Victor Claver. Victor Claver. Well, he he. I think that at 35 he can he can still play and he can help uh, for Spanish national team uh, in in Paris. They're gonna have, uh, of course, Usman Garuba. He's gonna be 22. Juancho 28. Billy Hernan Gomez 30. Then Abalde 28, Alassane 23, Abrinas 30, Oriola 31. And the biggest question mark is on Ricky Rubio because, you know, the future is, is Ricky for sure. But uh, at the same time, the future is tricky because uh, at least uh, after the last game of uh, Team Spain, there was a report in Marca that Rubio was very close of skipping this summer with the national team because of some personal reasons and they that the team Spain had a really tough time in convincing him to play and they have some doubts at least per report that uh, he will continue to play for the national team because uh, he wants to focus on his NBA career he, since he was traded again he wants to improve his game you know to take care of his body and that might mean that he won't be available for the national team, which surpri- surprised me a, a lot because I thought that Rudy uh, Ricky is you no know, is a one hundred percent team Spain player for life. You know he has so many years left in his tank, but if he's not ready to help them, I mean Spain is in trouble. I, th- I think no. I mean when yeah. it takes teams yeah. like Australia, France, Team USA. Uh, that would be really hard for them to compete against uh, on such a high level. Yeah, you know, it's an end of an era, it's obvious, and probably Coach Cariolo will, will, will step down at some point. I'm not sure if he would be coaching them in the in the next his, Olympic. His contract runs through 2024, so that's but, a but good see, sign for them. But we see that he's making a comeback to, to, to the club basketball. He is now the head coach of Bologna, and Bologna should become a EuroLeague team in, in the following years as well. So it's not 100%, I would say, that Sergio Cariolo would be coaching them still. And w- w- when you were dominating the European basketball for 20 years with all these great players, they were so far in the 21st century the second best team after USA. That's, that's a fact. And it's impossible to believe that new Gazal brothers will be there and, and some other legendary players can be replaced easily, even though the Spanish ACB league is great. There is talent, there are young players. Uh, when they play in these FIBA qualifying windows, they they really win kind of easily with these guys from, from not elite Spanish clubs, right? But I think for the coming years, they, they are doomed to be a team of like good level, but not elite. France is the best right now in Europe. It looks like this. Slovenia will have the best European player. Serbia is just amazing if they have all these guys together. And you could put Spain then close to teams like Lithuania even. 
Well, it depends a lot on Usman Garuba, let's say, how he will develop in the NBA. Because he could be their next uh, go-to guy for a lot of years. But in it depends defense, on what... Like Rudy well, for friends? Once again, it depends on how he develops his, his uh, offensive skills. And you know, it's interesting if they could call up, let's say, Nikola Mirotic. He has the Spanish passport. He doesn't look very motivated now, but maybe if you talk to him and say, look, like it's your last chance to play at the Olympics. There are no Gazal brothers anymore. You will not be in the shadow of somebody else. You would be our main player probably, and you would play with just with Ricky Rubio and try to do something good in these Olympic Games. But with Spain, you cannot take for granted that they will qualify for the Olympics, actually. With France, I believe they would qualify one way or another. With Serbia, even, I would say that. But with Spain, I, I couldn't say right now that they will definitely play, play in Paris after three years. I agree, because when it takes other teams, uh, main players of Serbia, Greece, Turkey, even though... Yeah. Uh, they gonna all these leaders of these teams gonna reach the peak of their careers. For example, yeah. Nikola Jokic will be 29, Vasily Mitic 30. There's a lot of talent around them in Greece. Yanis will be 29. The main question is probably what kind of group he's gonna have around him because Kalaitis will be 35. Okay, Papa Yanis 30, I guess. Yeah, they the will have the Kalaizakis brothers, so they will be uh, all right. Uh, okay. <laughs> I see you. You like Alizakis, right? Oh, Which well, they one? played. In, uh, I mean, the one that played in Kadania and got drafted with number sixty. So, yeah, Yorgos, Yorgos, Kalizakis. yeah, Yorgos, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Greece can uh, be. But, but this, but it's good that, that guards. it's good that you mentioned Greece because you know if the Greek freak ends his career without playing in the Olympics for Greece, and we know he's a patriot, he loves Greece. But if he doesn't play for Greece in the Olympics ever, you would feel kind of empty thinking that they're still dismissing peace in his amazing legacy. He's already an NBA champion. And I really hope to see him at least in one Olympic Games. And probably he has two more windows left. It's Paris and Los Angeles. I agree. And as I said, I believe he's going to have that ambition to make the Olympics. I have no doubts about him. I just have doubts about his supporting cast because yeah. in recent years they're lacking upcoming players. Uh, okay, Papa Petro also gonna be older, but I mean I don't see enough creators. I miss guys like Slukas, like Spanulis. I mean it was yeah. amazing yeah. backcourt. Now after after them I don't see the next but generation showing up. Donatas, how about this idea? You just make a roster of Antetokounmpo brothers, like put twelve Antetokounmpo brothers in the team because I. As far as we know right now, there are five of them, right? Or four? At least four. Yeah. At least four. So maybe there are some six others we don't know about yet, and they will blossom in, in the next few years, and, and we will find out. Because uh, at first we knew Yanis, then we saw that, oh, this guy Tanasis is, is playing basketball, right? Oh, then there, there's this guy Costas coming from somewhere. And now this Alex? other... <laughs> Alex? So maybe there's another... I don't know, Vasilis Antetokounmpo somewhere. Let's make this separate uh, national team of Antetokounmpo brothers. Yeah, and, and they would dominate yeah. all these guys being athletic. Uh, they can switch everything on defense and they just 
score 80% of their baskets with dunks. <laughs> or how about this? <laughs> yeah, Space Jam, Space Jam free. <laughs> or yeah. who knows, maybe they, they might get a passport, for example, for a backcourt player. I'm not sure if Greek fans like this idea. Have Probably they ever not. done it? I don't I'm think not so. Sure. I'm not sure. I think that they are with Lithuania and Serbia and, and, and some other teams, the, the, the ones that didn't do it. I don't remember an American player playing for Greece. There Nicole, is Tyler Dorsey. Yeah. Uh, who with the citizenship, right? A Greek passport. I just don't remember the story. Why? Okay. Okay. Um, just a second. Oh, he played for junior national teams. So mm-hmm. you cannot. Well, you know, you know Nicolaitis. Not Mike Nic- Toby, who, who didn't know where yeah. Slovenia is before. Yeah, Nicolaitis is in a way American, but it's it's kind of like Daniel Hackett in, in, in yeah. Italy. He's not a naturalized player. He's he's he he's a legit Greek citizen, right? So I'm not sure about that. We cannot speculate really what the Greek Basketball Federation thinks. But I agree with you that uh, there is a lack of talent coming through the ranks of Olympiakos and Panathinaikos. We don't see too many young players. The veterans are stepping down, and there are no young guys that could really fill the void. The last, let's say, young guy was probably Dinos Mitoglu, I think. Yeah. And then yeah, but, there's but a huge gap. It's funny how we we were talking about Spain and now we're talking about Greece for like seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about basketball for hours, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, for sure. We didn't so, even start talking about Turkey, so... <laughs> yeah, uh, well, let's not go into that. Maybe for later, we have our Turkish colleague who could provide a lot of insight, uh, I believe, on Turkish basketball. And we have Yorgos for, for, for Greek part. For sure. So... Uh, so what's what's left? Slovenia. Uh, we already talked, uh, discussed Slovenia uh, situation. Right? Doncic will be twenty five, Chanchar twenty seven, Prepelic thirty one, Toby twenty nine. So as I said, it's a, only a matter of uh, if they will qualify yeah. to the tournaments because all of these players are either NBA or Euroleague players, and that yeah. that makes their situation pr- pretty unpredictable. Yeah. And this is any other fact. any other teams you think? I mean, Argentina with Scola. Scola. Uh, no, they're going to have back? all these backcourt players again. I mean, they're going to qualify through the American uh, Championship, I guess. Yeah. But I think those teams, uh, Argentina and also Brazil, in the past, Brazil had um, some good squads. They're not going to be as good in the future. I cannot imagine legendary players like Scola, Ginobili, Nocioni, Barbosa, and all these other guys from, from Brazil or Argentina being replaced by other legendary players. Uh, so the level of Olympic basketball tournament could be a little bit lower if, let's say, South American or Asian teams will not be very competitive. Yeah, so yeah, the question remains the same, you know, if we will have Olympic basketball tournament as we had in all these years, maybe they change it with free on free or put it, you know, only juniors for that tournament. I hope that mm-hmm. won't happen because I don't know how, how about you, but I really enjoyed this uh, Tokyo experience. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, if they will go for this idea and FIBA probably wants it, to make the World Cup the main event of the, of the international basketball, I don't think it will work because it will be harder to motivate Americans with the World Cup. 
they want the gold medal. They, they, they know the value of a gold medal, right? So, so they send their best squad. But the, the World Cup, I'm not sure. And, it, and for other countries, maybe as well. But in Paris, I'm confident we still have normal basketball events. With 12 teams, we discussed previously that 16 teams would work much better. But okay, let's let's live with 12 right now. And uh, other than that, it would be really interesting to see in the free-on-free basketball, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden, and I don't know, Bama Debayo playing against Nikola Jokic, Vasilya Micic, Bogdan Bogdanovic, <laughs> and then Nemanja Bielis. <laughs> 10 minutes game and then of course still Latvians with Chavars and Krumins taking the gold medal because they know the three-on-three rules much better and they're got used to the the size of this ball and they they are just better in this <laughs> okay man so I think I'm started uh, I'm starting to talk absolute nonsense <laughs> like you're drunk you know so I'm I'm, I'm really tired and I, I I cannot believe some of these things that are coming through my mouth uh, from my mouth <laughs> Thanks, thanks for uh, showing up in MVP form, uh, in MVP shape, uh, for commentating all these games through all these days, you know, from the morning to to the night. And uh, <laughs> Rita, st- just take some rest, okay? Because you start uh, a bit, you know, I'm starting being afraid of you a bit, you know. You should, you should cancel this podcast right now before I say something I regret, okay? okay. Just click it right now, okay? Okay, I'm just cancelling and uh, I just want to say thank you for our listeners and viewers. Uh, before that, you can follow us on basketnews.com uh, and also on YouTube and Spotify. It's it's it is it's over. We're finishing yeah. it. <laughs>